The urgency of the climate crisis and the need for the world to reach carbon neutrality is both an existential struggle for humanity and an investment megatrend. It is, however, a megatrend fraught with uncertainty. The uncertainty that exists today is far greater than the uncertainty that existed with the digital transformation in its early stages, and far more than the uncertainties that we had behind the clean tech revolution, if you will. That's Stan Miranda, founder of Partners Capital. His firm manages around $45 billion of assets for endowments, foundations, and wealthy individuals. Private equity accounts for about $7 billion of that. Earlier this year, Miranda and his colleagues published a deeply researched 83-page document called the Global Energy Transition Investment Framework, which is available on the firm's website. In a nutshell, the framework breaks down the various component parts of the transition and highlights the sectors and subsectors where the firm sees opportunity and which asset classes are the most appropriate for accessing these opportunities. In today's episode, we'll discuss exactly that. I'm Toby Michnell. Senior Editor of ESG and Sustainability at PEI Group, and this is Spotlight. Miranda starts by explaining in more depth what Partners Capital's Global Energy Transition Investment Framework is and why the firm thought it was needed. Most of what's published out there on the energy transition is the pathway that would have to be true to get to net zero by, say, 2050. So it's deterministic. It's what people wish for, but not what's going to happen. But as an investor, that's not terribly relevant. And so what we built was a framework that creates a structure of building blocks that will define how successfully the various economies, the world gets to decarbonize the planet. So that's what it is, is this framework that breaks the sources of decarbonization into three big chunks. The first one is electricity or electrification. So it's moving petrol-fueled vehicles to electrically powered vehicles. And it's moving what is currently heating buildings today from natural gas and coal to electric heat pumps. So that's electrification. That's one of the big blocks. The second one is technologies that are involved that are very uncertain. So green hydrogen, carbon capture, bioenergy, and a slew of other technologies that will affect the efficiency of energy out there today. Uh, And then finally, there's renewables, which is a known technology and has lots of obstacles to it in terms of land usage and transmission build out and so forth. So those are the three chunks we need to understand in detail. And we failed to find published research that forecast where we're actually likely to go down that path. And as investors, we just can't invest without a deeper macro understanding, as we're calling it. And we recall back to what investors refer to as clean tech 1.0, the sort of 2005 to 2015 period before the Paris Accords, where we all felt that there was an opportunity there. Uh, Partners Capital sat on the sidelines and watched Others lose handfuls of money as a result of just not really understanding the regulation, the technologies, the costs and economics behind a lot of these green technologies. And so we didn't want to see a repeat of that for our clients and decided that we would invest the time in building our own deep foundation of understanding of what all the obstacles are to the energy transition. So back to that uncertainty. 
uncertainties are vast. There's you know, regulation, there's the amount of capital that's going to go in, there's certainly the technology uncertainties, there's policies in, in terms of nation states, commitments being turned into legislation, which most have not. So the uncertainty is still vast and the billions and what soon will be trillions of dollars that will be invested in this energy transition seems to us to be invested somewhat blindly today. Take wind and solar generation assets, says Miranda. There is little technological risk involved and the associated costs have come down, but there are big obstacles in terms of long-term build-out. There are supporting transmission infrastructure needs. There's a lot of what Miranda describes as not-in-my-backyardism and regulation that's getting in the way of that. And then there's the problem of seasonality. The technology is not there yet to store power generated in the summer through to the winter. So we're cautious about those investments. But what do we think is a good investment opportunity is providing the services and the component products to those industries, so-called picks and shovels for the renewables industry. Secondly, I think there are opportunities in technology, but technology is really interesting. As you know, in the clean tech bubble, uh, a lot of the big name venture capital firms lost their shirts on going into early, you know, regulation wasn't set, they didn't know about the Chinese dominance of solar, and there are all kinds of mistakes made. And that's left pretty deep wounds and scar tissue. And so something you should do is call up the big West Coast Silicon Valley venture capital firms and ask them two questions. Number one, how much of your portfolio is invested in energy tech or the energy transition opportunities? And secondly, do you have a specialist team or a group of people who are deep experts on this area so that you can exploit it? And the answer will be no in almost all cases. That doesn't mean there are no venture capitalists going after it, but that the veteran established most reputable venture capital firms are not investing here. Why would that be? It's the same realization we have, which is that it's just too uncertain. We don't know whether governments will contribute to the development of a lot of these technologies. We don't have critical mass and capital trying to develop things like nuclear fission or some of the carbon capture technologies of bioenergy. There are, of course, a number of venture capital firms with a focus on climate technology. New ones seem to emerge on a near weekly basis. But those aren't veteran investors that chose this over other digital technologies to invest in, there are people that are doing it for other reasons. So, so technology is quite challenging right now. VC is not entirely off limits for partners' capital, though. We've done some in niche sectors, including the ag and food tech sector. So there'll be areas to pick off where we think they're isolated from some of the big macro risks to the energy transition. For all the uncertainty, however, the immensity of both the challenge and the opportunity cannot be ignored. So what needs to happen for partners' capital to get comfortable with the risks involved? Is something any investor has to be an expert on and be ready, poised to take advantage of. So what has to be true before we dive in headfirst? I, I think a lot of these uncertainties need to be removed. Miranda lists a number of measures that would iron out some of those uncertainties. Countries need to turn decarbonisation targets into legislation. And that's a, a big ask, but that's a critical step. 
governments need to form private sector partnerships to back the vital technologies in a big way. That's the only way that they're going to get the scale behind things like hydrogen electrolysis. And governments need to push through any public opposition to get the electricity transmission infrastructure built. A lot of things have to happen. But if there is one silver bullet, it would be ubiquitous carbon taxation and carbon pricing. So right now we have carbon credits that are given to companies that produce, if you will, negative footprints, so reforestation companies, and those credits go onto marketplaces and emitters can buy them and create a net neutral or reduced carbon footprint. And there are marketplaces for those. That needs to become a global scale integrated marketplace which truly matches the cost of carbon sinks and carbon sequestration with the cost that it takes to sequester that carbon. So that today is not happening. At the moment, the price of carbon varies dramatically depending on which market or system you access. A carbon pricing and taxation mechanism agreement between the US and the EU would be a big step, says Miranda. But that seems feasible to us, not in the short term, but certainly over the next three to five years. The scale of the energy transition and urgency needed to curb the climate crisis is conceptually pretty overwhelming. I wonder, given the time Miranda and his colleagues have dedicated to understanding the uncertainties around it, whether he remains an optimist. Yes, it's partly my nature, but I am very surprised by the national policy support for this. 190 three nations signed up to the Paris Accords, and they have set targets, even though not legislated. But I think the generations that are younger than mine are passionate about this. I think they will change their own behavior as consumers of energy, emitters of carbon. And I think the companies that they work for will follow suit. And so there seems to be a genuine human desire to see this happen. It's a mission we're all on. And so I think that will be good for the investments in the space as well. So I think the energy transition will come close to happening in terms of net zero emissions by 2050, but not for any of the reasons I can forecast today. That again was Stan Miranda of Partners Capital. If you want to hear more episodes of Spotlight, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or check it out at any of PEI Group's various titles online. With new private markets, I'm Toby Michnell. Thanks for listening.